All right, listen, here's the message. Are you ready for the message? All right, we're going to look at Ephesians 1, 15 through 23, and we're going to talk about the, the most, one of the most powerful prayers in the whole Bible, okay? And I'm going to promise you this. If you'll begin to pray this prayer, your life will change. Okay, I can guarantee you that. Because 10 years ago, in the year 2000, I, the Lord, I began to pray this prayer in earnest over my life. And I'll admit, I'm slow. It takes God a long time to work out things in my life. But, but truthfully, when I began to start praying this prayer in earnest, my life began to change, okay? And everything in my life began to change from that, from that point. And so I'm a big believer in Ephesians 1. It's one of the... In fact, from, it's, you know, I hate to say this, but and I don't hate to say it. The truth is, is this prayer has had a lot more impact on me than even the Lord's Prayer. Okay? It's, it really has. Uh, so, and I believe it will have a big impact on you. Let's, let's read this. Uh, Ephesians 1, 15. Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you. Everybody say thanks. Yeah, if, if you ever watch Paul real closely, all his prayers had thanksgiving associated with them. And, you know, Thanksgiving really is the uh, thing. Here's what it does for me, okay? It creates an atmosphere in my life. It creates an atmosphere for faith. If I go to the Lord complaining, that creates nothing. It just creates more complaining. But when I have a heart of Thanksgiving, and be careful to remember to thank the Lord, it, it causes faith to get released in my life. That's why Thanksgiving is so important. You know, that's why Paul says in Philippians, make your request known to God with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. So we had a thanksgiving a couple of weeks ago. We forgot to do the thanksgiving message, so there you go. That was your thanksgiving message. We may forget to do the Christmas message. You know, but we'll slip it in somewhere. You know, we just try to go as, as we can. All right, let's see. Where are we? Do not give thanks for you. Make a mention of you. My prayers, and here's a prayer, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, note who he's addressing this prayer to. Oh, this is important. The God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory. The Father of glory. Now listen, in the New Testament, God the Father has taught... Paul Paul and Peter and different people, probably John, uh, give God the Father different titles, like the Father of mercies is a title. Anybody need mercy? I think we said the staff has... You know, you can say Father of mercy. That's one of the titles. Give in. Have mercy on me. You see, what he's doing here, he's pulling on an attribute of God. He's pulling on an aspect of God. And this aspect is glory. Okay, there's no place he's called the Father of Lights. Matthew mentioned light. The Father of Lights. If you really want that light he was talking about, the Father is the Father of it. And then there's other places where he's called the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then another place he's called the Father of all. So he's, you know, taking care of business. But, uh, you know, I thought about it like this. If, if he is my father, if he is your father, and he's also the father of glory, guess who your sibling is? Glory. That's why I said, really, you know, the church needs to get out of this thing that glory is some kind of Pentecostal experience. It's really not biblical to think like, like that. You know, glory is part of our inheritance as the family. Just like mercy is part of our inheritance. Just like this light Matthew was talking about. All these things are really part of being a part of a family. Okay? And so that's really how God really wants us to begin to, re- to look at glory and, and instead of just looking at it as an experience. Now, I want the glory of the Lord to come in a manifest way. There's no, no, no doubt about that. 
I'm, you know, I'm counting me in. But this is, this is how you get the glory. This is what's going to release the glory because it really does need to become an inner reality in your life. The Father of glory, the God of our Lord, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Note that He did not... How many people here need wisdom? How would I like to have some wisdom? Okay, well, here's, here's what Paul is saying. Paul is not saying, uh, God, Father of glory, give me wisdom for my marriage or give me wisdom about my job or give me wisdom about my, my ministry. He's not praying that. He's saying, Father, give me a spirit of wisdom and revelation. In other words, if you say, God, give me wisdom about whatever, you're asking God, it's like asking somebody for a cup of water. Okay, give me a, you know, so you get a cup of water, but when you ask for the spirit of wisdom and relish, you get the whole river, you get the whole reservoir, you get the whole thing that you can go into that reservoir, that river, anytime you want. So it's, it's like you, have a, you can have a constant flow of wisdom and revelation coming out of your heart. And that's really how, how God wants us. He doesn't want us to run to Him every time we need wisdom. He wants us to tap in to the spirit of wisdom and revelation that God wants to release upon our hearts. Do you, do you have that? And then he says, and that's a very powerful thing, when, to, for, to get the wisdom and revelation. Pray that over your life. Lord, give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Let it come upon my heart. Pray it over your children so they would have something, you know, that would keep them out of trouble and keep, you know, get them into God. Uh, Spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Everybody say, in the knowledge of Him. Now, this is really important, that word knowledge. You know, John 17, 3 says, eternal life is to know Him. It's to know God. It's, it's, so you see, what he's talking about is relationship. He's talking about that we can know the Lord. I've had people say this to, say this to me often. It's Byron, I, people in the church, Byron, I feel like I know you, but I don't feel like you know me. And here's why they're saying it, because they hear a lot of my, when I'm preaching, they hear a lot of, they hear a lot of what, about me, what's going on in my life. And they know a lot of the people, y'all know more about me than I know about you. Unless the Lord shows me something, every once in a while He does, shows me something about you. Okay? But just because you know something about me doesn't mean you know me, right? We can know lots of, we do know a lot about President Obama. Okay? But that doesn't mean we know Him, right? And so really what, the, the, what Paul was saying is that we could really know the Lord. And I'm going to be honest with you. That would be the number one endeavor of our lives. That would be worth you spending your life just to know Him. In fact, I know some people who that's really their stated goal in life is to know the Lord. And I'm one of those people. And I didn't come about that one day in a clever way. I came about that in a, in a terrible way, really, when I was at the bottom of my life. And I discovered I really didn't know the Lord. Really didn't know Him. And, you know, that's unfortunately what happens to a lot of people. They come to a place where they thought they knew God. They really didn't. They knew about God. But when they really needed to know Him in the moment, they didn't know Him. And see, the Lord really wants to really release us into a place of really knowing Him on a personal and intimate level. God, the Father, Jesus Christ is really looking for friends in the earth. And one of the great benefits of knowing the Lord is the Lord will share His heart with you. And He'll tell you stuff. But I'm going to tell you something. He, he's very uh, careful about how He does that. You know, He's just not going to share it with everybody. I don't share things with my children, especially when they were younger, that they couldn't handle. You know? 
But when you get into friendship with the Lord, He'll start sharing stuff with you because you, you have this relationship with Him. That's really what He's looking for is, is relationship. But another meaning of that word knowledge there, this, is, this one was the one I avoided for years. Uh, have you got any scriptures in your life that you sort of avoid? Anybody got any like, I don't really want to know about that, Lord. That, that, can't, that can't be something in my life. Well, this word don't just mean knowing. It means acknowledge. Okay, so for, I didn't like that because I thought, no, it's got to be about knowing the Lord. Why do you have acknowledge? Why does it have to mean that? That's messing with my, that's messing with my theology here. That's messing with my experience here. Okay, I used to I would literally say that until I discovered what acknowledge means. And this is how I discovered it. One time I was in this social gathering, and I did not know anyone in, in this social gathering. So I was sort of alone by myself, and I wasn't real happy. I was... Because everybody was interacting, everybody knew each other, and I didn't know anybody. And then this person walked into the room, and I knew the person. And I said, I recognize him. You see what I'm saying? That's what acknowledge means. It means to recognize. It means to, to see someone. And so here's the, way, here's the way this thing really works in your life. Okay? You need to be able to recognize Jesus Christ when he shows up. You need to be able to recognize Him when He comes. And you see, that's, that's, that's acknowledgement. Paul is saying, I'm, I want you to have this spirit of wisdom and revelation so you can recognize the Lord. You can recognize when somebody's up here preaching or somebody's up here giving a word, you can recognize that's God. That's, that's how this thing works. That's how the witness of the Spirit works is there's a recognition and there's an acknowledgement of a God. What does the Bible say? Uh, trust in the Lord with all your heart and not, lean not to your own understanding. But in all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will guide your path. You see, what Paul's really saying, if we get this spirit of wisdom and revelation on us, we, can, we will be able to recognize the Lord. And because we'll be able to recognize the Lord, we can walk on the paths that He has for us. I mean, if you're going to, get, if you're going to make a big decision, like buy an expensive home, you would like to know, is this really the Lord's heart for me, right? Or if you're going to marry somebody, it'd be nice to know that God wanted you to marry that person. Yeah? Well, that's how you get this thing. There's an acknowledgement in you that, you that you can recognize the Lord in things. And so that's why it's so important. So it's not just about knowing the Lord on a personal level, but it's about being able to recognize God in things. Okay, now here's the way this works. This is, this is how, it, how, how the deal goes. Are y'all with me? He says, the spirit of revelation, wisdom, revelation, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. That word enlightened, have you ever been in a dark room that was pitch dark and you were looking for something? Like in your home in the middle of the night and you couldn't find it? You're feeling around and then you turn the lights on and there, there it was right in front of you like your eyeglasses and you're trying to find them on the nightstand and you had to turn the light on. Well, that's what they're talking about there. They're talking, that's what that word enlightenment means. It's like somebody turns the light on in your heart where you can, can begin to see what's going on in, inside of you. Okay? Now, now, look, it says the eyes of your heart. Okay? For years, I didn't know my eyes or the eyes of your understanding, eyes of your heart, same thing. I'll explain it in a moment. For years, I didn't know I had eyes on the inside of me. But then when I began to pray this prayer, I discovered this ability. Suddenly, I started getting this ability to look down inside of my spirit. Okay, now if you want to look into the spirit world, you have to begin looking on the inside. Because you have these eyes that are inside of you, and they will begin to peer down into the, your own spirit. 
you'll be able to look down into your own spirit. And, and, and so, because the kingdom of God is in your spirit, right? That's what Jesus says. The kingdom of God is inside of you. you you'll begin to recognize the kingdom in, inside of you, down inside of you. And then that's when you can begin to recognize it out here after you've been able to see it in here. Does that make sense? And so that's really how, you want to know how, how these seer prophets work? How they are able to see stuff? They see it in their own spirit. Okay, that's where they begin. As they start seeing it on the inside, and then they, then you can see it on the outside. Now that's how God expects. Well, you don't have to be a seer prophet. You just need to be a seeing Christian, where you can begin to see down in your spirit, man. That way, you can begin to see out here. You can recognize the things out here because you saw Jesus in here. You can recognize him when he's out there, and when he doesn't come to you looking like Jesus, because he doesn't always come looking. He may come to you disguised like a person in the world. Have you ever had somebody in the world who wasn't even a Christian talk to you and you realized God was talking through that person? And that's being able to recognize Him, acknowledge Him that that was Jesus. And He comes like that. He speaks through television commercials lots of times. Or songs. Right? He'll give you songs. I mean, He gives me non-Christian songs. I know that's God talking to me. He gave Tony Baker a... Where is Tony Baker? Well, Lord have mercy. Well, his wife's here. Tony Baker sent me a Black Sabbath song. And said God was talking to him. And he gave me the words to it. I thought, well, praise the Lord. You know? Y'all know who Black Sabbath is? What's that guy's name? Ozzy Osbourne. Tony, the God was speaking to Tony Baker through... I know that messes with people, but... You know. This is, but that's how he'll do it. And you need, but most of the time, God may not be speaking to Ozzy Osbourne. But just in case he does, you need to be able to recognize this when he is. I never was into that, but anyways, uh, here I wanted you to know about the eyes of your heart or eyes of your understanding. That remember the word dianoia? Okay, you see, I'm gonna. This is quick. Every person in this room, you have two minds. Whether you realize it, it's not that you're double-minded. You have two minds. You have a mind that's an organic mind, which is your conscious brain, your conscious mind. But you have something else inside of you, a, a, a subconscious mind. Okay, that's the mind of your heart. That's where these eyes are located at. In fact, 80% of your uh, intellect and everything else is stored down here in this. So if you really want to get really brilliant, let God bring enlightenment to the eyes of your heart. That's what will create brilliant people. Okay, because, because 80% of your brain power is down here in your heart, not up here. That's why, I know y'all know this, but that's why when Solomon got the wisdom from the Lord, it says the Lord enlarged his heart and put the wisdom there. He didn't put it in his conscious mind. He put it in his heart. You see that? So that's where the spirit of wisdom and revelation is. It's, it's in our hearts, okay? And it's your dianoia. That's the, and, and the dianoia is a part of you, uh, literally it's the part of you that sees spiritually. Okay, but it's also that part of you that's able to comprehend and make decisions. Okay, that's what it does. It comprehends and makes decisions. It literally is the thing in you. It's the part of your soul. It's the part of you that's closest to your spirit. In other words, you've got your spirit and then you've got your, your soul but your, that houses your spirit, but your dianoia is the connection point. There has to be a connection point between uh, the soul of man and the spirit of man. And it's your dianoia. That's why, that's why you've got to get... And, and Ephesians is full of dianoia. It's full of it. Okay? You'll see, a, you know, there's a, a bunch of scriptures in here about this. This is really where I first began to learn about this, is, is this prayer. I need to get this part of me open. I need to, because that's the part that sees into the spirit world. 
Okay, are you good so far? All right, then he prays, okay, and he prays. There's three basic things that God wants every Christian to have on board. Okay, three basic things. So, and that's what, what Paul prayed for. So we'll do those three basic things right quick. All right, number one, he, there's actually what some people call the three what's. Okay, number one, the eyes are going to stand to be in the light and that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance? That's number two. And number three, what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? Verse 19 is a sort of mouthful. Exceeding greatness according to the mighty, you know, there's a lot in there. All right, so let me just briefly hit on these three things. Very important, okay? Knowing the hope of his calling. Notice, notice it didn't say the knowing the hope of your calling. Now, this is really important for believers, okay? Because... There has to come a time in our life when we look at our callings, what we believe our callings, what our dreams are, what our hopes are, and begin to let go of those things to get His. Okay? Because it may not necessarily be the same. That's why Paul was saying, you've got to get this thing. You've got to know the hope of what He's called you to. And it really is knowing what your purpose, what did God create you for? Okay, see, that's critical for every believer, and that's one of the main things that, you, that God wants to release to people when He opens the eyes of heart, for you to know, this is what God created me for. This is why God placed me on the earth. And this is the reason it's important to know, okay? Because somebody or something is going to tell you that at some point in your life. And, and so it would be better for the Creator, the Father, to tell you, this is what I created you for, versus someone else. I don't want nobody telling me that. I, haven't, I, have, I refuse to let anybody tell me that. Nobody can tell me that. People tell me stuff, but I don't listen to it unless I hear, unless I recognize Jesus. Because here's the truth. How many people were in high school when somebody told you what you were created for? Right? You see, that goes on all your life. And if you don't know what you're created for, anybody can come along and use you for their purposes. Right? And, you know, wrong, being used for the wrong thing is what is called abuse. And that's what's wrong, wrong with a lot of people in the world. They're abused in their life because somebody else has assigned to them what their purpose is in life. Are y'all following this? I've, I've discovered this in a quite practical way a few years ago. Is one day I decided to take my Toyota that I had at the time, and I'm out of Toyotas now. I'm in the Hondas now. Okay, but I took my Toyota and decided I was going to haul some firewood in it. So I filled the trunk up with firewood, and I even put some in the back seat. That was a big mistake. A real big mistake. Why was it a big mistake? Because Toy that Toyota car was not created to haul firewood in. You see what I'm saying? And so a lot of Christians are going around hauling stuff and doing stuff, and they're like Toyotas, and they're trying to act like a truck. Because somebody told them this is what you were created for. And they believed it. And they got messed up. You see, the devil's going to tell you what you're created for. He's telling you that from the time you're born. He's trying to tell you that. And he's trying to tell your kids that. Believe me, he's telling your kids that. Over time. And if you don't know who you're crea what you're created for, how in the world is your children ever going to know it? Because you could never tell them the right thing. You could never release that to them. That's why this is so powerful. So you don't want to waste your life, okay? You really don't want to waste your life doing what you're not meant to do, right? I would hate to get to heaven and the Lord say to me, Byron, let me tell you a little secret, buddy. 
you were not called to be a pastor. You should have never done that. You might have been good at it. Maybe I was. Okay? I'm talking in the future now. You may have had a great anointing at it, but you were not. That is not really what I had for you. I had something that you would have been, it would have been much greater in your life. You see what I'm saying? You don't want to get there and find out you wasted your life doing something you wasn't really created to do. And I think that's really one of the key revelations that when you begin to get that, your life will really change. And that's where real fulfillment, that's where real contentment will start flowing in your life. It's when you really just discover that. Here's another thing about the hope of His calling. Is you could turn, you could turn 56 years old, okay, one day, or maybe you already did. Alrighty. But the Lord could say, hey, guess what? You were a pastor up until 56. That's done. We got a whole new program going now. Whole new program. You know? In other words, God could change some things. And, you know, he could say, this is a new day. This is a new purpose. This is a new calling. You see what I'm saying? That's why, that's why this spirit of wisdom really is so important that we constantly get that on us. And we wouldn't be trying to live in what was, but live in what is, what God has for us now. And that's really important, you know, because I've seen, and I know people whose life purposes have shifted at different times, you know. Well, in the natural, here's a good example. When, you have a, when you're a mother and you have children in the home that you're raising, that's a life purpose, right? That's something you're doing. But guess what? One day those kids grow up and you won't have them no more. You know, you're going to, as a, you, suddenly your mothering purposes and all that will change. It will shift. It will become something different. See, it's just in the natural that happens. So it's got to happen in the spiritual. You know, people have to grow up and come into new things and greater things in the Lord. And there's probably people sitting in this room right now, honestly, that God's trying to speak to you about this because maybe some things quit working in your life, you know, and you're wondering why you think it's a bad thing. And God says, it's not a bad thing. It's just, it's just something different. i got something new for you. You know, but if you get your eyes, if you understand it open, you can really begin to see what those things are. Amen? All righty. This, this is great, man. This is a, life, this is a lifetime prayer. This, this prayer never goes away. Uh, and please, parents, pray it over your children. Please pray it over them. Because it will help them. It shall help them. I'm saying this in faith. <laughs> this shall help my children sooner or later, Lord. <laughs> no, it has helped them. Um, then the next thing he says, that's number one, the hope of his God. And number two, what are the riches or the glory of his inheritance in the saints? His inheritance in the saints. Now, this is really important because we as believers are looking for our inheritance, Right? We want our inheritance that God has for us. Well, here, let me tell you this story in the Bible. Because this is not what Paul's praying about. He's not talking about your inheritance, my inheritance. He's talking about God's inheritance. And he's saying, you've got to get this thing. Uh, there was the parable of the prodigal son. Two boys. One decided one day, Dad, I want my inheritance. Give it to me. Okay. He gave it to him. The boy went out, lived a bad life. He would probably have HIV, HIV if he lived in the modern world from shooting up heroin with nasty needles. That's how bad of a life that boy lived. That would be the indication of it in the Scripture. Okay? And so one day he came home, and the father received him, 
It was the Father of mercies that was getting revealed that day and loved him and brought him back into the house and restored him, okay? But there's another brother who was working hard for Jesus, right? And he was out in the field working hard, and he heard, came home at the end of the day, and there was a party going on, and he asked about it, and he got so upset when he found out what had happened because he had worked his fingers to the bone for this father, and the, this father never did this party for him. Okay, so that's what he said. He said, you never did that for me. Never. And the father said to him, look, son, everything that I have has always been yours. Always. But he was consumed with working to get it. So here's what you have. You have young people... Okay, that are so hungry for their inheritance. And the Bible says this, an inheritance gained too soon is not blessed in the end. That's what it says. And so Paul is saying, I'm praying that you would know what his inheritance is in you. I'm praying that you would know that God looks at you as one of his most prized possessions that he has. And that's going to be a lot, that will be life-changing when you realize how much value God places on you as a person. You individually. Okay, that's a revelation. And when you begin to see that the Father paid his, the ultimate price to get you, to get you into the family, to adopt you, He gave the best thing, He gave the most rare thing He had to get you. That was Jesus Christ. It was His most rare Son, His most precious thing. Imagine taking the most rare and precious thing you have to get someone. Right? Because people adopt children. When, when somebody adopts a child they are not going to adopt a child that they don't want. People will have babies all day long that they don't want. That's a sad state of our nation, or all nations, as children are born that nobody wants. But nobody goes out and adopts a child that they don't want because they're going to pay big money to get that child. And see, the Father wants people to see, that's what I did. In fact, I didn't pay big money. I paid the ultimate thing that I had. I paid for my most precious one-of-a-kind, rare son to get you. And when that becomes revelation, that that's how valuable you are to the Lord, to the Father. It'll do something to you. That's the inheritance that Paul was saying. That God's inheritance is you and I. It's like, how many people in this room consider their children to be the most prized possession that they have? Raise your hand if you feel that. Your children or grandchildren. That, that's more important to you than anything else. That's the most precious thing in your life. There's nothing more that would exceed that. You may get mad at them every once in a while. You know, on a bad day, you might want to throw them out of the house. But most days, that's the most important thing. Your children or grandchildren. That's the way you feel about them. You just love them with this un crazy love. I mean, insane love. And that's how the Father... Views us. And so he said, I want you to get that. Okay? Because, and so the young... I'm back, to the young, I'm back to our inheritance now. The young people want their inheritance right away. And the Bible says it won't be blessed in the end. Here's what the old people's problem is. The young people are sort of like the prodigal son. They've got to have it, got to have it, got to have it. The old people is like this. We've got to work for it. 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 And we're not getting it. And so a lot of older believers now are angry at the Lord. They're upset with the Lord. They're struggling with the Lord. Because some jack-leg preacher comes along that's 28 years old. Okay, he's 28 years old, and he's got his powerful anointing on him. Okay, and you've been laboring for 30 years to have a powerful anointing. Right? You've given it all to have this. And some 28-year-old punk who's not gone through anything can preach the paint off the wall. 
And you're sitting there, I've given all this, and you're angry with God. Does anybody have that? Anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm not telling on myself. You know? Or you may be the businessman down the road who's worked for 25 years developing a business. A guy opens a well across the street, and everybody runs to him. And suddenly he's successful, and you're a failure. And you have this thing rising up in your heart. You know, it's, it's a grace thing. And so you see how it's so important for us to know what, because when we know how valuable we are to Him, see, all that stuff gets dealt with real fast in us. Gets dealt with us real fast. We find out what really matters in our life. Are y'all following that? And I'll tell you one thing right here. Two things. Is number one, God is a, He's also a good businessman. He's going to get... If he's put an inheritance down, if, he, if, you're a tre- if there's a treasure hidden down you, he'll do whatever it takes to get to that. He'll shake your life up in the natural to get to the real thing in you. Has anybody experienced that? Has anybody experienced how God, has God shook you up, shook your life, shook your sin to get to that treasure inside of you, the inheritance that he placed in you? And I've seen him doing another thing is, and this is important. Henry, did you know this? The Holy Spirit controls the purse strings of heaven. That's what it says in verse 11 through 14, Ephesians 1. It says the Holy... That's my way of saying it. The Holy Spirit controls the purse strings of heaven. So like in my house, Becky controls the purse strings. It's true. If I want some money, I've got to go talk to Becky. If I want the checkbook, I've got to go talk to Becky. And she said, what do you want it for? Why did you spend that money? Why? You know? So I've got to be able to say, because of whatever reason, that's why I have hidden money. That she doesn't know about. Okay, but you can't hide money from the Holy Spirit. So if you want something from heaven, you've got to go through the Holy Spirit. He controls the purse strings of heaven. So their way, it would be behoove all of us to have a good relationship with the Holy Spirit. You know, to be in good with the Holy Spirit. Because I'm trying to get some of them riches of heaven right now, Holy Spirit. And so I need some. Can you just download some down into the account here for me? But if I'm grieving him, if I'm living in sin, if I'm quenching him from doing what he wants to do, he's probably going to say, I don't know, man. I think we need to talk about it for a while, like for another year or two, and then we'll think about it, you know. And that's really what happens. Has anybody experienced that? I'm not the only one in here. I'm just throwing that in there. That's a freebie. All right, are we about done? (laughs) Yes. He said we're about done. All right, that's the, what is the hope of his calling? What is the glory? Do y'all love this? I do. And the last one is, this is a crazy, this is a tongue twister. What is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? Everybody say exceeding greatness. All right, so here's what it is. God has so much power that Paul used exceeding greatness because he didn't know how else to make it. Like, I'm just telling you, these words don't even serve. God has so much power that he don't even know how much power he's got. God has never come to the end of his power. Never. Everything that God has ever said either has come to pass or will come to pass. Okay? If, if God today said, Palmer Holt, you are a Chinese. Tomorrow morning when Palmer woke up, he would have dark black hair. He would have yellowish brown skin and he'd have oval eyes. Because God said, you're a Chinese. God has no, there's nothing. And so you see, what God wants us to do is come to a place where we begin to experience the exceeding greatness of His power in our life. 
and realize a lot of people in this room are sitting here, you got promises from the Lord, right, that God never fulfilled. Has anybody got any of those? I mean, they really are the Lord. Just John? You're the only one in here? <laughs> i got a bunch. But we, what we, Paul is saying, you've got to get a revelation on this. You've got to get a revelation that, that God's power is endless, and everything God says and everything God does is going to happen. It must happen because there's nothing that can limit His power. And see, we don't have a revelation of power, do we? Not really. We don't have a revelation of power in the church today. We just see little glimpses here and there. But God wants to release a revelation of power in the church where the church begins to see. Because we're going to come to a day in our life where we're going to need a revelation of power. We're going to need a day. There come a day where we may have to say, if I'm going to have a glass of water today, if I'm going to eat something today, I've got to have power to do it. I've got to speak it into existence. Because there may not be no food. There may not be no water. And there'll come a generation of believers in the United States, all over the world, that are going to walk in real power. And whatever they need, they're going to have to speak it into. They're going to call it forth. And that's why Paul was saying, you've got to get this revelation of how great God's power is because it's resurrection power. If God could raise Jesus from the dead, actually Jesus raised Himself from the dead. It said the Holy Spirit quickened Him. Nobody helped Him. Okay, and so God wants to get us to begin to see that how powerful He is. If he, could, if he could get up, if He was dead and He could get up from being dead just completely by Himself, He can do anything. There's not anything He can't do. And so He wants to release a revelation of power in, into our lives today. So how many people have got something in their life where they really need real power? Raise your hand. Real, I'm, talking about, I'm not talking about fake power. I'm talking about real power. Hey, raise your hand back up. See, see, there's a lot of people who need that right now. And so God wants to begin to release it. So here's how you get the power. is you say, Lord, give me a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. Open the eyes of my heart so I can see. Because here's the way it goes. I need to see what you created in me. Because God's not going to give you power, okay, to be a businessman if he's called you to be a pastor. That's where your power is going to come. Dean's offended. <laughs> he said, I gotta leave early and don't I'm not offended if I get don't think I'm offended if I get late. I said, I don't care if you're offended or not, Dean. <laughs> Bless him, Lord. <laughs> but do you see the succession in that? The hope of his call, knowing what you're created for. Okay? Knowing that you, who you are in Christ, knowing that you are that prized possession of God, and then the power gets released. That's really what God's trying to do in the earth. That's what the Father's heart is all about. Everybody, let's just stand up. Mercy, Lord. Father, thank you. I want you to put your hands over your heart right now. Now, this is not a one-time prayer. You know, some people believe in praying one time, and, it, and, and that's it. And I think that could be okay in most cases. Uh, but I'm not believing this in this. Okay, I'm believing this is because this is about relationship. This is about an organic living thing. Okay, so I believe that you place your hands over your heart today, and we're asking the Lord into our own hearts right now. Father, right now, every person in this room, uh, let's just ask Him. Just, just pray after me. Father, Father of glory, God of the Lord Jesus Christ, I ask you to give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation, and the knowledge, and the acknowledgement of you. I pray the eyes of my understanding would be opened. Bring light in. 
that I might know the cre- what you created me for. And I might know who I am in you. That I'm your treasured possession. And I might know your exceeding greatness of your power. In every area of my life. And Father, I just ask you to release that right now. Yeah, just release it. Yeah. You see the Lord on that? You, yeah, some of you feel the Lord. I feel the Lord really good on that. Woo! Mercy, Lord. Let's just hang out there just for a second. You got a second? Oh, Lord, just make that so real, Lord. Just wash over these hearts. Wash over these hearts. Wash over these hearts. What happens to workers is their heart gets calloused. And they can't see because calluses are like scales that come over their spiritual eyeballs. I think the Lord wants to take those off of people right now. People who've really worked hard, really have served the Lord. But over a period of time, you know, Jesus, that's what Jesus said to his disciples one time. Why was your heart hard? Why didn't you believe? And, and, and that hardness was a callousness from working. Because they'd worked so hard. And serving, doing miracles, and all the stuff they did with them. Lord, just, just really release people this morning. Just get the calluses off the workers' hearts this morning. If you're a Christian worker, the Lord really does want to get the callus off your heart this morning. Some of the most hard-hearted people that I know are people who are in full-time ministry. If you get around them, they just get hardened by what they go through. And, and, and people who really serve the Lord. Lord, just take the hardness off in people's heart this morning. There's also a hardness of sin. It says, don't let your heart be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. See, these things will harden you where you can't really see, you can't really know. This morning, if you'll just repent and ask the Lord to forgive you, He will cause a softness to come into your life. And you'll begin to see again. You'll begin to hear again. You'll begin to know the presence of the Lord like you haven't known. Lord, just release that right now. Just release that on people. People who really have a hardness, over, especially over sin. Lord, just I just ask you to do that, Lord. Just apply the blood of Jesus over your heart right now. Just, just do that. You know, there's power in the blood, man. It does a lot of stuff real fast. Yeah, the Bible says the blood of Jesus will wash our hearts from an evil conscience. And so if your conscience is telling you something this morning that's not, that's, and, it's, and it's going after you, right now, here's your answer for it, is the blood. When you say, Jesus, I ask you to forgive me for whatever that thing may be or whatever those things may be. I ask you to forgive, forgive me, Lord, and I ask you to put your blood and just put your blood on my conscience right now and just take away that condemning heart, that judging heart, that... That heart is just, just pulling me down. Just take it away. Mm. That's why the Bible says, uh, guard your heart, protect your heart, because out of it springs the issues of life. It's right in there where the, your spiritual eyes are at that you need to guard. Yeah. You know that song we sang that uh, Chuck led us in? You're, the, you're mine, you're the apple of my eye. You know, that comes out of the Old Testament. I forget which. It's an Old Testament, one of the minor prophets, I think. And uh, it's, it, where it talks about us being the apple of God's eyes. That, what, what is it? Psalm 17? Okay, Psalm 17. That sounds good. That was, that was better than what I thought. Anyways, you know what that word, uh, the apple of my eye, it's apple of my eye literally means pupil. He who touches you 
touches the apple of my eyes what the Bible says. He who touches you is like sticking their finger in God's eye. The pupil of his eye is like they're sticking their... You think somebody's going to get away with sticking their finger in God's eye? And see, the Lord's saying, you are the apple. You're like the pupil of my eye. I will protect you. I will, I will do anything for you. I'm going to protect you. You're my eyes. Lord, we just ask you to release the knowledge of that right now into this room. People would know that they're the pupil. They're the people. They're the very precious thing that you have, that we all have as our eyes, that need protection and need to be cared for. I just want to give a testimony about what he's speaking about. Last night, last night I just love when the Lord does this. Last night, Matthew and I talked. We had this huge, long discussion. It was all about what is God speaking to you about what you're supposed to be doing right now and what's on your heart. You know, we were both just, what is the Lord doing with us? What does He really want us to be doing? And we just had this long conversation. I'm telling you, the Lord woke me up this morning. This morning, that that quick. This morning, speaking to me powerfully about what my season in life is. And it really was about Mother... the. Mary and Jesus and, and giving birth, you know, but the miracle that comes forth through that, and he was giving me vision for what I'm doing right now, is a miracle, is seeing miracles. So what I want to encourage you is, this is really the heart of the Lord, is that he really wants to speak to us right now. And you don't have to even think that it's going to even take a long time. I mean, this was like the very next morning the Lord was giving me great vision of what he has for me for right now. And I just want to encourage you that this really is the heart of the Lord. And then when I was pulling in this morning, this song came to mind. And when Byron was just saying that about, I mean, I just feel like this is the Lord is that the Lord is saying, you're more than the choices that you make. You're more than the sum of your past mistakes. You are more than the problems you create. You've been remade. You've been remade. And it, and it was saying, it's about, not about what you've done, but what He's done for you. It's not about where you've been, but where the brokenness has brought you to. It's about what He's done for us. There is a furious love that He really wants us to know about. He really furiously loves us and has given Himself for us. And there's a furious love He wants to release through us to this world. I mean, it's, it's a great, awesome love. And He wants us to be able to recognize what we've been called to, what we're supposed to be doing so we can embrace it. And we can experience that furious, 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 furious love of the Father so that we can release it to others. So I just want to encourage you this morning that as we're praying this, that we're asking the Lord for the eyes of our understanding and this enlightenment to come, it's coming. I mean, and expect it. It's coming. And it may come really quick. You know, so. All right. As we're dismissing this morning, if you need your hard heart just touched by the love of the Father, just invite you to come up here. Maybe you've never... uh, You've never had a connection with God before. Just come up here. We want to pray with you this morning. God can do a tremendous thing in your heart. Um, If you need prayer for anything, for sickness, 
pain, just come on up here. We want to pray for you. Um, particularly somebody here has got like this intestinal abdominal discomfort going on. And I feel like specifically like you've been to doctors, you've changed your diet, you've done everything you can think of to uh, deal with this and nothing's really changing. And God, the word of the Lord is here this morning for your healing. So just grab hold of that. Okay. But uh, if you need prayer for anything, just come on up here and we'll pray with you. Be blessed. Have a great rest of your day.